Thank you for tuning in to Uncommon Women, a podcast that provides a platform for women of all walks of life to share their upbringings, life lessons learned, experiences, and journeys to come. Uncommon Women speaks on topics that can relate to all women. We share, we listen, we laugh, we cry, and we empower each other to be the best uncommon woman that they can be. Ultimately, we are cultivating a global movement of women supporting women. Women supporting entrepreneurship, relationships, self-love, and so much more. We inspire each other to make an impact on this world for the better. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to Uncommon Women. Now, finally, grab a seat, get comfortable, and hear from your wonderful host, Shanira and Jenny Lee. Hi, kings and queens. Thank you so much for tuning in to Uncommon Women. I'm Shanira. And I'm Jenny Lee. And today we have an amazing guest speaker that's going to come on with us um, by the name of Rashida. She's going to be giving us some insights on the value and benefits of mentoring the youth um, and why it's so important that as a community, as parents and as friends, that we can help these uh, these young adults uh, transition into what they went through or if they haven't even went through, just, just guiding them through uh, the necessary steps to be able to prosper in life. Uh, so as I bring her on, Jenny Lee is going to give a little bio um, in regards to Rashida. Rashida K. Williams is a mentoring consultant and author and chief empowering officer for Empowered Flower Girl, a social enterprise on a mission to transform the way young people relate to one another. Rashida's passion and accuracy has helped lead Empowered Flower Girl to gain recognition from Kuman's North America's Impact Award to Saatchi's Top 10 Companies for Women and Girls. Her name also being mentioned 29 and 29 inspirational female entrepreneurs who are positively impacting the world and more. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. I'm <laughs> so, so excited to be here. And thank you for that lovely introduction. I, uh, I feel truly blessed to be able to connect with uh, so many amazing women around the country and, and around the world, frankly. Uh, and you two are, are no exception. You are just uh, amazing. And I'm, I'm proud of what you're doing. So I thought I should uh, state that off rip. I love you know giving credit where credit is due. And I thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. We appreciate it. Um, so before we get into the good the good tea today, uh, we also like to ask our um, guest speakers, you know, the transition of where they're at now, how it all started. So um, before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, how was your life growing up? Well, you know, that is a question that uh, I, I definitely think is, is important uh, for, for anyone who uh, wants to share their story and who wants to make an impact. And I think that uh, oftentimes we don't value our stories or maybe sometimes we have a fear of sharing them, but I want to encourage everyone uh, to, to share their story because it can definitely have an impact for someone. I mean, growing up, I lived in Detroit in a, in a pretty tough neighborhood. I grew up uh, on the east side of Detroit in uh, a couple of the most dangerous, in fact, zip codes in the city. Uh, 
But the thing about the neighborhood that I grew up in is that it was a community. It was a close-knit community. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit older than you ladies, and, and I grew up in the 80s. And I'll tell you what, it, it, was, it was a little tough, you know, in, in the inner city growing up. But we had a close community that was connected. And it was basically mm -hmm. like a village was raising you. Like, literally, I had neighbors who would check in on me or... You know, after school, if my mom had made it home from work, we just go over to the neighbor's house. So uh, there was always uh, someone in the community looking out for us. And I will say that growing up, life was life was pretty pretty easy, uh, except when it came time to get to middle school. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, middle school was its own set of challenges. That's where I experienced the most drama, the most trauma, and some of the most challenging years of my life. Uh, is when I transitioned from elementary to middle school. Um, you know, elementary school was, was great. I had awesome friends, amazing teachers. And then once I got to sixth grade and especially in seventh grade, I was teased, bullied, harassed, excluded uh, almost daily by my peers. And that really shaped uh, who I became. Um, it, it, at first, it, it seemed like it was shaping me negatively, right? Because mm -hmm. I was feeling I was feeling the isolation. I was feeling uh, down and out some days. Some days I didn't even want to go to school. Uh, I didn't tell my mom about the teasing and, and bullying and harassment. Um, I was a victim of what is called intra-racial bullying, uh, okay. meaning that I was bullied uh, by other students who look like me, uh, those who were African-American or identified as black, I was teased and bullied by, by them. I went to a school that was about, um, I would say about 85% African-American, uh, but I was called white girl. I was called mm. wannabe, Oreo. They wow. said I talked white. They said I was weird. The music that I listened to uh, was for white people. And, and I got harassed like this daily. And uh, th that really started to impact my self-esteem. Um, but, but I had a teacher who really, really cared about me. I was writing in my journal and uh, I think that she gave us that assignment to write in our journals to you know, make sure we had proper sentence structure, right? <laughs> she was an English teacher. Uh, she was really down to earth. She was a little different herself. Mm -hmm. uh, she was like an Afrocentric uh, white lady, right? <laughs> but, let me tell you, she was cool. Everyone loved her. Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Patty was her name, and she was mm -hmm. she was uh, really cool. She had like this this fro, and uh, <laughs> oh, she was down to earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was, wow. she was like she was for the people, man. I was like, Dude, were you part of the Black Panther Party? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, she was, she was definitely an ally to the community, but she was, uh, awesome. yeah, she, she was amazing. And, you know, she had us write about our daily experiences in our journals. And I wrote about the teasing and bullying and harassing that, that I was experiencing. And I didn't think that she would actually respond, but she started responding and writing notes uh, to me that really changed my life. Um, and it really made me want to stand up for others, stand up for myself, but also stand up for others because far too often it's the bystanders, right? The people that are on the sidelines that don't stand up for you, uh, 
majority of people fall into that category. Right. Most people aren't bullies. Most most mm -hmm. people, uh, most kids are, are not the, the mean kids, right? But sometimes they just don't have the power or even the courage or even the tools to stand up. Um, but Miss Patty, she equipped me with that. And, you know, I'm so thankful to her and to the other adults in my life who stepped in and stepped up for me. And that's why I'm so passionate about mentoring and empowering young people so that they can give back and make a difference. Wow, that's awesome. That's amazing. Uh, with you experiencing, you know, the colorism, did you, was there ever a part in your life where you just felt like you wanted to give up or any suicidal or thoughts like that prior to Miss um, Patty, you know, encouraging you and insisting you in a positive way? Yeah, so it's quite interesting. I I didn't quite experience uh, what would be traditional colorism. You know, there, there were students in the class who were teased and bullied for being too light or too dark. Um, you know, I was right in the middle, so I got to see both okay. sides of it. I got to see how um, the dark-skinned kids were, were treated and called names and shunned, um, but I also got to see how, uh, you know, light-skinned kids also were called white. Uh, they were called white for different reasons, right? Mm -hmm. But still, you know, it is very hurtful to have people in your own community, people who look like you, to call you these names, and um, it, it was very hurtful to me because you know, when when I was in middle school, I was just really trying to get good grades. You know, I, I honestly thought I was cool, to be honest. OK, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yes, I may have listened to some music that some of the other students really didn't didn't like. You know, I like new kids on the block and Nirvana. <laughs> you know, I was into grunge. I went through my grunge mm -hmm. phase. You know, I like Vivaldi and Beethoven and, you know, as well as hip hop. Right. Um, so. I, I was pretty eclectic, and some of the kids they just didn't like that. They thought you I was weren't a follower. Weird. That's what it right. was. That's yeah. right. <laughs> you weren't a follower. You were unique, your own person. Mm -hmm. Exactly, and so it, it bothered me because even in middle school, I was an aspiring journalist and public speaker. I would enter oratorical contests. I would uh, write for the school newsletter. So I said, mm -hmm. you know, I can't be slacking on my grammar. <laughs> 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 you know, so so calling me white girl and saying I talk white or are you too proper? Mm -hmm. For me, for me, I thought, well, why is this a bad thing? I, you know, it's not talking white. Uh, I'm speaking proper English, proper. right? <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> English is the you know official language, and this is this is what we speak. I I don't get it. Uh, however, I had to definitely definitely um, connect myself with other students who were experiencing some of the same drama and challenges. So I really uh, found myself gravitating toward the other students who were kind of um, the outcasts and mm -hmm. uh, the other students who were teased and bullied, the ones who identified as LGBTQ, uh, other students who were immigrants. We had a huge immigrant population of uh, Arab as well as Asian students in our school. So I became friends with them. The the other nerds, <laughs> I became friends with the other black nerds in my school mm -hmm. and, you know, we united <laughs> and uh, we, we had a strong support system after that. So I think, you know, definitely having a, a good support system can, can help you, um, especially young people, just having someone who has your back, even if you're both weirdos, you know, and it's okay. I say embrace your right. weirdness. <laughs> you know, find a good vibe tribe to, to embrace your weirdness. 
I think we all need that one person. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. The, go so ahead, the, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry about that, but no, that that's basically <laughs> that was basically you know in a nutshell, kind of you know how, how I grew up and and what shaped me into being you know who I am today and, and why I do what I do. So let's go into that. Um, speak on the details of the Empowered Flower Girls, how that all came about. So it was probably about 15, well, maybe more than 15 years ago that I started mentoring girls and young women. I was experiencing some drama uh, in college. I... Mm -hmm. um, it, what I didn't share about my childhood was that although my mom and I are very close now, you know, I love my mom. She and I are like, are like this, but growing up, you know, my mom was having some challenges and okay. she was going through her own, you know, own drama mm -hmm. and um, things were a little unstable for her. So at 12 years old, I went to live with my aunt and her husband. So they took me in um, and they raised me up until my college years. And I'm forever, forever grateful to them. You know, I and, and I kind of have a, an affinity and a passion for uh, helping young people and encouraging mentors for young people who are in or aging out of the foster care system. Because although I was not uh, in foster care, I was I was still raised by uh, individuals outside of my home. home right. so I, I kind of identify with some of their experiences. But during that time when I was growing up. I, um, you know, I was very close to my aunt and uncle and they were like my parents. Um, but when I was, I was just starting college, my aunt passed away of cancer. Mm. And um, that, that was pretty devastating for me. Um, I found her there in the house. Uh, she, she had passed away at the house and um, my uncle, who was a, a little older than her, he was actually, he was actually a senior citizen. He, mm. um, he was was devastated as well, and you know he thought that I I would leave and not take care of him or help him, and I had to reassure him that I would. But mm -hmm. the pain of the pain of losing her was just entirely too much for him. And uh, one day in college, I came home from a dance recital, and he told me that he wanted to die. Um, this was my first experience uh, with. Uh, suicide or suicide attempt. My uncle, uh, who was a senior citizen, my uncle was uh, 70, what was he, 70 years old at the time? Mm -hmm. 70 or 71 years old. He threatened to kill himself there in front of me. Mm. Um, he told me to leave the room um, so he can take care of it. And that was one of the most traumatic experiences of my life something that I will never forget, um, something that was painful. Um, my uncle, unfortunately, did uh, shoot himself, but he did not lose his life at that moment. He survived the gunshot wound. Um, he lived for about seven months after it. Wow. Yeah, but at that time, I was a college student, and I was working to keep my scholarships. I was working on you know, having a high GPA, I was going through a lot. Mm -hmm. I, it was very challenging for me, but I was determined to get through it. So I said, you know what? 
everyone, you know, how everyone deals with um, mourning, they mourning, they deal with their pain differently. Right, differently. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some people get, you know, extra involved in their work and their school. And, and that's what I became. I think I may have uh, overdid it, but I became so focused on school and, and doing something to get out of my, my depression and my sadness. Um, I, I saw an ad in the newspaper for mentors and I thought, hmm, may, maybe I could do this. Maybe this could take away some of this uh, drama that I'm experiencing. Maybe if I'm focused on someone else, maybe I won't have to deal with the pain that I'm feeling. Maybe I can help someone else. And then ultimately, you know, I was thinking maybe forget about what was going on. You never mm -hmm. forget, right? But I signed up to become a mentor and that really changed my life. And mm. yeah, that, that transformed my beliefs about um, myself and my abilities. And I had something greater to, to live for. And becoming a mentor, I always tell people, it, it truly saved my life. Um, and that experience is what led me to launch Empowered Flower Girl, just working with girls and young women for several for several years, being a one-on-one -on -one mentor to girls ages five to 17 years old and seeing some of the struggles that they were having with classmates, with their friends, um, and just living above the societal pressure. And right. I also had three teenage nieces at the time. Um, so I really wanted to support and, and help them the best way I could. And that is uh, how I came up with Empowered Flower Girl uh, in 2010. So last year we celebrated our 10 year anniversary. And, Amazing, uh, congratulations. Yeah, <laughs> So can you um, speak on how social media has power over the youth nowadays? Oh, so this is a topic <laughs> that, <laughs> that, you know, definitely always it comes up at each and every time. And it's something that I definitely think uh, has to be addressed. Uh, and in fact, I'm partnering with the Texas American Federation of Teachers uh, in a few weeks. I'm going to be. That's amazing. Yeah, I'm going to be hosting. <laughs> thank you. I'm going to be hosting a, a workshop called Social Secrets with Educators mm. and Parents Should Know because we're going to talk about, you know, social media and how uh, these these smartphones, mm -hmm. okay, how these <laughs> smartphones have, have a grip, not only on the youth, but adults as well. Uh, but I think that there is, is so much uh, focus on just being being the first to get information out. Like with, with adults, right? The, you see the news stations, TMZ, uh, they wanna be the first to get the information out, right? Even if it's not accurate, they, they wanna be the first. Mm -hmm. And I think that trickles down to our children because I've noticed, um, and one of the things that I talk to young people about is if you see a fight, if you see something that dramatic that's happening, the first thing young people do, they'll pick up their phone to record it. Nope. Well, really that person could be in danger. We nope. may need to go and get a teacher. We may need to somehow get out of the way and not even intervene, but to, to, to go get help. Or it is true. Sometimes you do need someone there to record, you know, the, the injustices, because as a, as we've seen, 
Yeah, um, you know, yeah, yeah, it definitely happens. You Terrible. Know, yeah. the, you know, police brutality uh, instances and, and those sorts of uh, those sorts of things. We we know that if a person hadn't been there with their camera, then we may not truly know the uh, injustice that was suffered um, at the hands of these, um, you know, the, these cops, right? Mm -hmm. So in those instances is very helpful. But what I always tell young people is you don't have to be the first to post. Um, you know, if it's your friend who is in trouble, maybe we might want to offer some sort of, of help. And I don't mean go in and break up the fight because you could be putting yourself in danger, mm -hmm. but you may need to go get help or maybe try to distract attention away from it. You, you may need to distract uh, what's happening, uh, all the chaos and the commotion. People do get hurt. So I think that sometimes, you know, we, we have this fear of missing out. You know, we all have experienced FOMO at some point <laughs> and, and the, the social media, it could be overwhelming. You know, there's a new social uh, app that's coming out every day. We, we hear it all <laughs> right. Time. <laughs> it's a full time job. This right. Time. <laughs> <laughs> and navigate through everything. I'm like, what? Now something. <laughs> exactly. but, I want, but I but I really want the young people to know that you don't have to be on every platform. It is not necessary. And no. the young people are dealing with so much right now. I don't see how they can keep up. You're dealing with uh, uh, virtual school, uh, surviving the pandemic, all, all of the drama that you know young people are experiencing these days, uh, and just trying to keep up with everything that that's happening in social media and reality TV. It can be a bit much, and I think uh, it causes a lot of overwhelm and anxiety mm -hmm. for for our children. Uh, so I think that as parents and caregivers, as well as mentors, um, and, and just caring adults. If there are young people in our lives and you know we get to spend time with them, whether it's virtually or in person, you know, take some time to just turn them off. Take some time to genuinely connect with one another. Uh, and that's the, the biggest ad advice that I have for, for parents and others who work with kids. Like, when you get time to spend with them, have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. Um, sometimes people don't even know that uh, the, the youth in their lives may be experiencing challenges. Like mm -hmm. sometimes they are being bullied or cyber bullied or harassed uh, online, but we're so busy uh, and, and distracted. Uh, by social media, by the news, those sorts of things that we don't really have authentic conversations with one another. So I think that is vitally important that we do take a break from social media. Sometimes I have to program it. I'll be honest. Sometimes I have to program it into my calendar. Take a break. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I have to remind myself set reminders of, you know, just being away from the screen, you know, the screen time that uh, we have is is a bit much. You know, there's way too much screen time, and I think that we can definitely support one another and and holding each other accountable. Like, did you take a break today? Right. <laughs> you know, did you, did you take some me time today? So I, I think that's important that we do that for our our children. 
and our young relatives and, and those that we work with in the community to make sure that there is a level of self-care. Because when you're dealing with social media, it can just be truly overwhelming. And sometimes there's so much negative energy mm -hmm. online that it impacts their lives offline. Yeah. I agree. And I believe there's times where, you know, social media is hindering um, uniqueness and being different because there's so much competition for the youth to, oh, I got to post it this way or I got to get this many likes. And it's like, no, like just learn how to embrace you and to walk in the goodness of who you are and stop trying to be in competition or uh, impress others. So I think uh, social media has hindered, you know, the youth. Uh, the part of um, teenagers and adults of just <laughs> just me. being self. Yes, and, and I agree with you. And what I found is that sometimes they get into danger. Yeah. Um, especially with these online challenges. Mm, <laughs> mm, yes. I have to uh, take a drink of water. Oh, take your time. Yeah, these online these online challenges is crazy. We didn't. They uh, are. They're <laughs> so crazy. So crazy. Especially at, you see a lot of them on TikTok as well. And mm -hmm. it's just getting worse and worse. And and I think like like not only that, since these kids don't have like depends on their family, you know, what situations that they're going, what's going on in their households, they look to social media mm -hmm. for the acceptance and for yes. validation yes. and for, you know, someone can be going through abuse at home and acting like everything's all happy and they're happy and, you know, posting just to get attention elsewhere approval. because they're not, yeah, approval because they're not getting the love at home. They just want followers and likes. Oh, well, this person, this person paid me attention. But uh, like you said as well, Rashida, it can be dangerous too. Yeah, it could be very dangerous, especially, uh, as you mentioned, seeking validation, um, external validation. And that's how many of our young people do get caught up in situations that can put their, their lives in danger. Uh, I, I've noticed an increase in young people underage, uh, teens and youth uh, posting on dating apps. You know, wow. I was just I was just surprised to oh see the number of uh, children, um, frankly, you know, like you're 14 years old, you're a child mm -hmm. <laughs> and oh. you should not be on Tinder. Worried about men. R right. Yeah. Right. You should not be on Tinder or plenty of fish. But some of our young people, that's how they are meeting these adults. Uh, and uh, unfortunately, these predators are taking advantage of our children uh, and their need for attention and validation. And these predators, they know this. Um, th these are these are people who have ill intentions, whether it's uh, trafficking, um, human trafficking, sex trafficking, that sort of thing. Um, so we, we definitely know that they do face these dangers. These are real dangers that they, they do face. And uh, I just want uh, youth as well as parents to be aware of this, that, that you know, th there are kids out there who are uh, posting and creating, whether well, creating accounts uh, on on these dating apps and uh, other sites, um, and and some of some of these online predators as well are are using online gaming. Wow. Um, to to connect with with young people, so I definitely advise parents or anyone who has children to just uh, be proactive. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't, 
I don't consider it snooping. <laughs> some some of these parents whose children have gone missing, I'm pretty sure they wish they snooped a little more. In mm -hmm. some cases. Um, so we we have to um, we we have to be more proactive in what our children are doing and the things that they're engaging um, with online, um, the people that they're engaging with online. So we need to ask questions, even, even if they are like, no, nah, I don't want to talk today. No, we're going to talk today. We're right. going <laughs> to see what's happening. Uh, you know, parent, parents should, should have their children's passwords, especially uh, younger, younger children. Mm -hmm. uh, kids are online. I know I do. No, but I agree. <laughs> I agree. I definitely agree. My 17 year old be trying to play that. Yeah. <laughs> Mine's is 12, but I make sure I have his passwords. And honestly, I'm proud. I'm proud that I haven't seen anything that, I mean, one time, but I haven't seen anything that's out of his age range. It was just him recording a video that he shouldn't have been recording. Like you said, fights, but, mm -hmm. um, it shows me that he's he's in a place where he needs to be at, at 12. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And see, you, you wouldn't have known that if you weren't doing the proactive parenting. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it's important. I don't think of it as snooping. I, uh, so for those of you who are like, oh, I don't want to be a snoop. Well, you're a proactive parent. That That's what you are. Or a proactive aunt. Uh, I, I don't have bio children. But, yeah, you know, I'm, a, I'm a proactive TT. I have a goddaughter and I have nieces and a nephew. Um, so I'm I get involved. Sometimes mm -hmm. if I see them posting something a little outrageous online, yep, I'm still going to ask them in private. I'm not going to call them out. Right. <laughs> yeah. I do that to all my siblings. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. So let's speak on, um, you know, since you are mentoring others, let's speak on some of the drama or maybe the incidents that, you know, teens has, has told you what they're going through. And um, so as parents, as neighbors, as the community, uh, could you give us some examples and then how we can actually help them or, you know, what what they're going through? Because I'm a parent, you know, I don't I don't mm -hmm. really know. So I like to get that information from you since you're you're more hands on with things. Yeah. So th there are a, a plethora of challenges that our young people face. 21st century teens are facing societal pressures as well as cyberbullying, uh, those sorts of challenges. But but often sometimes young people are facing challenges even at home. Um, mm. I found that often when young people are acting out with with a bullying or the mean behavior, being aggressive uh, in the classroom or being disruptive, uh, sometimes is because they may be facing some sort of drama or issues or ch challenges at home. Um, I facilitate a workshop for Empowered Flower Girl called Chica Chat. Okay. And we have a discussion on, you know, why girls are acting out in the way that they are um, when they're teasing and bullying each other, uh, excluding one another. And often what we find is, of course, hurt people hurt people. Mm -hmm. and, and when we get down, uh, when we really get down to what is beneath the surface, uh, we find that most of the time they're having some issues either within themselves, some self-esteem issues, or there may have been a problem at home, like a divorce. Mm -hmm. uh, one girl, 
she admitted during the Chica Chat workshop, this was some years ago, but for me, I found it uh, very, very powerful uh, that she was able to, uh, we created a safe space for her mm. to be able to do so, but she was able to share that, you know, she realized that sometimes she would come to school with an attitude and just angry, mad at the world uh, because her brother uh, was incarcerated. Her brother was incarcerated for a few years and he had just just been released from prison and come back home. And it was uh, it was a bit traumatic for her because she hadn't seen him in a while, but at the same time also, he was all of a sudden getting all of the attention and she mm. felt ignored. And she said that she was having some challenges around that. And so that was something that, you know, I would have, would have never thought, um, you know, here it is, this girl, you know, she was excited to see her brother. He, he had been locked up for a while, but at the same time, she, she felt ignored. She felt that her needs mm. weren't being addressed and her feelings weren't being addressed by her family. So she, she, she took it out on classmates and teachers. And uh, by the end of the day, she, she apologized for her behavior, but her classmates, uh, it, it was so touching. They offered support for her. Um, cause many, awesome. many, yeah. Cause uh, many of the students didn't know what she was going through. And oftentimes that I believe is, I believe that's what allows us to sometimes bully people, harass people to just not care and have so much apathy because we don't truly know one another. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and that is definitely the case for our young people. Sometimes the disconnect is there. Uh, and they're they're more likely to have the, the the apathy and to be mean to one another because they don't truly know what's going on. They mm -hmm. they, don't, they don't know that you know their classmate uh, has just become homeless. You know they mm -hmm. uh, that that happens. You know they're experiencing drama, illness, or death in the family. They they don't know that those things are, are compounded along with you know just the academic pressures of school right. and mm -hmm. the social pressures. So we all, no matter who we are, we're going to experience some drama. I mean, as I speak and communicate with you all today, um, I've told a few friends this and a few family members, but the drama for me this week is that I was recently diagnosed with COVID and I'm trying to get through life and to uh, do my work and help my clients and even, you know, help myself and be a good pet parent. You know, my, my cat, I'm trying not to give him COVID. Oh, right. You know, so, so, there's, so there's, there's drama in, in all of our lives and we uh, have to keep pushing through. But as I mentioned before, it is so important that we have supportive people in our lives, no matter if we're going through the illnesses or uh, the drama at work. Um, for for many of us who are adults, we may have some coworkers that just push our oh, nerves. Oh my goodness, we oh, all I do. Know. I'm sure we I all know. do. <laughs> right? Uh, you know, we we may have some significant others that just mm -hmm. one more time. Um, <laughs> or you know, we may have family and even friends sometimes that teachers. Challenge. I'm sure they have teachers that's teachers, like teachers. <laughs> yes, definitely. You know, just just all of these things that we face this this drama that we face in life, but if we can be there for one another and, and support one another, and sometimes not to be, be so hard 
on ourselves. Mm-hmm. But sometimes we're a little too hard on ourselves, right? Like me today, I was like freaking out. I'm like, I got to get it together. Oh, I have to put on my makeup. You know, I'm sick over here <clears throat> coughing with COVID. And I'm just like, okay, Rashida, relax. Is this going to be okay? You're going to get through this. And you all were, you know, even, even you all were just so supportive. Mm-hmm. And so I, I appreciate that. And, and that's why I really love what you're doing. You're creating this, this global network of, of women that uh, are connected, that uplift and support one another. So I definitely appreciate that. And I want that for our girls and young women. And that's why I'm such a huge proponent of sisterhood and helping girls and young women to realize that unity is where it's at. I mean, if you have a good vibe tribe, there is so much that you can do. Get rid of that drama, stop the cat fights, stop Mm -hmm. the jealousy and the hateration. Mm -hmm. We have to to support one another and look at each other as collaborators Mm -hmm. instead of competition. Preach, girl, preach. Yes. Go ahead, girl. (laughs) Go ahead, keep going, Don't stop. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> yes, so it's interesting. Um, when we talk about sisterhood, I, uh, with Empowered Flower Girl, I recently hosted um, Empowering Conversations. It was uh, a conversation that we had over two days with uh, women from um, all walks of life, women who were um, therapists, who were teachers, who um, were just uh, just amazing spirits, right? The, these women who some of them I had never met before, mm-hmm. and when we had our discussions, it was it just flowed. We just gelled like we haven't known each other forever, and I think sometimes women miss out because we don't give each other a chance. Um, yeah. we, could, we could be missing mm-hmm. out on some amazing connections, but yep. sometimes I think you know we overthink things, or maybe mm-hmm. sometimes. Okay, I'm going to be judged. And I, I think we can do a better job of creating a space, a safe space for one another that, you know, we may have our differences or maybe we don't, we may not see eye to eye on everything, but there is room and opportunity for us to, to grow and to support yes. one another. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I really, I really want that for, for our girls. It, it breaks my heart sometimes to hear girls say, mm-hmm. I can't trust other girls. You can't trust mm-hmm. girls. They're all. You know, caddy, yeah. they're drama queens, and uh, I want us to to really uh, transform that. Yeah, but definitely, you do see a lot of that. I did volunteer work with um, young girls, um, fourteen to sixteen, for like a year, and that's all you've seen. It was just, I feel like you guys need to uh, be together, empower one another. Oh, well, mm-hmm. I don't like her. And I said, why? Oh, well, because I just don't. That's not a real reason <laughs> to not like somebody. You have to have a reason. Did she did, did she do something to you? Did she say something to you? Did mm-hmm. she offend you? She didn't have no excuse. I was like, that's an excuse. You're just trying to find a reason because you just want to be a follower. I was like, be who you are. And it's it's a lot. These, these kids now do have it so hard. It's really hard for them. Yeah, they do. And I think what really helps uh, in terms of having support from their community is having adults in their lives who Mm. have some, what I call intergenerational empathy, 
Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, and I love that you said that they do have it hard because some parents and, and other adults, they may say, oh, they have it so easy. No. These kids, they don't. I have <laughs> they have it you know, you know, you hear the parents say, oh, I had to walk <laughs> 10 miles in the snow up the hill, you know, all of that. Right. And I'm thinking to myself, really, did, did you really have to do that? And if you did, um, maybe your parents are <laughs> the way that you're feeling about your kids because mm -hmm. they thought, well, you had to walk 10 miles. I had to I walk, walk a mile. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we need more intergenerational empathy and understanding because while we may think that, okay, the technology makes it so easy for them. They don't have the Dewey Decimal System. They don't have to go to the library. They could Google it, right? But the, this technology, as we have discussed and talked about, comes with a lot of challenges, right? Mm -hmm. Like the cyberbullying, the, the, the cyber stalkers and mm -hmm. uh, the cyber thieves, right? So there's a lot of responsibility that young people need to have at such a young age, right? Um, even just engaging online. But also we have to really think about, especially like Generation Z and the generation after them, Generation Alpha, like they grew up right around, you know, one of our nation's, um, one of our nation's uh, most tragic events, you know, mm -hmm. outside of the transatlantic slave trade and slavery and Jim Crow, right? There's so much that uh, we face in the 21st century, right. like 9-11 and the threat of domestic terrorism, police mm -hmm. brutality, all of these things. They're going through a lot, young, right. Yeah, all of these things that our young people are seeing, right? And, and the things that are impacting them and we should definitely have empathy and, and the pandemic has really transformed their lives. They don't get oh, to, yeah. yeah they, they interact. Have to, You're right. Interact. Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> right. They don't get to experience a normal childhood. Proms have been nope. canceled. Mm -hmm. uh, sporting, yes. uh, sports yes. and sporting events canceled, you know, things that we all look forward to as, as young people, they suddenly had to just uh, give up and it was like, I'm oh, sorry, you know, it, it won't happen for you. Uh, so I think if we have more empathy and, and an understanding, we can really uh, connect and engage uh, with the young people in our lives more. Uh, and, and it it just takes judgment free listening. We just we just need to listen to them. Take yep. some time. Again, what I say earlier, we have to put away these every mm -hmm. now and then. We got to mm -hmm. put this away, put yep. it down, and say let's talk. You know. Yep, I That's agree. Good. Yeah, I agree. Do you have anything that you would like to share that will help the youth or women? What would it be? So I would definitely recommend that we all take some time, even if it's just uh, 10 minutes a day. I mean, I, I would recommend more, but even if mm -hmm. it's just 10 minutes a day to give gratitude and really recognize uh, recognize ourselves. Oftentimes, we are so focused on what we didn't do, uh, what we didn't accomplish, uh, who we weren't for that day. Uh, but we rarely take some time to say, you know what, I did the darn thing. You know, giving gratitude for the things that we have in our lives, but mm -hmm. also giving gratitude to ourselves and, and being thankful for allowing ourselves to just be. 
And I think that if we do more of that, we will be more likely, I don't know, to do that for one another. Um, I think self-care is starts, of course, within, but then the more we take care of ourselves, the more we're able to uh, help others and to spread those positive vibes. I say, you know, positive vibes only. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're so, so fixated on breaking yourself down or always criticizing yourself, uh, you're going to have challenges and also connecting with other people, right? So it may, I know it may be easier said than done, but I think we definitely need to take some time to, to focus on uh, ourselves and uh, give appreciation uh, to the things that we've accomplished. I know sometimes it'll be almost a whole year before I look at some things that I've accomplished, right? I'll be looking at, oh man, I didn't get this done, didn't get mm -hmm. this done, looking at my to-do list and see all, you know, all these bullets that still need to be done. But I have said, you know what, I'm gonna take more time to recognize the things that I have achieved and give myself credit for those. So I think we should definitely do that for ourselves, but also for each other, recognizing our sisters, uh, recognizing uh, adults, recognizing the youth in our lives. Um, at Empowered Flower Girl, we have this, this column in our Be Empowered newsletter. It's called She's Empowered. And we recognize girls and young women ages five to 25 who are making a difference in their communities, whether they're social entrepreneurs or they started a nonprofit or a project in their school. Uh, we've interviewed young authors, those who started um, do good organizations to empower other youth to give back through service. Um, I've had an opportunity to interview so many amazing girls and young women, and I just want to continue to recognize them for the things that they're doing because often we hear negative news about our young people and that, that can be overwhelming, you know, mm -hmm. turning on the news to see all these uh, negative stories. But I always love to read about young people who are achieving their dreams and, and encouraging others uh, sharing their gifts and talents with the world. And that's what I want to continue to do with Empowered Flower Girls. So uh, we, we definitely recommend if there are any young people out there or those who work with youth, who know of any girls, again, five to 25, who are out there in their communities, making a difference, uh, sharing their talents. Uh, we, we want mm -hmm. to hear about them and we, we definitely encourage you to reach out to us. Um, you could email me, rkamaria at empoweredflowergirl.com or, you know, you know, just make sure you follow our social media cha uh, channels and I post information about how you could submit uh, girls for She's Empowered. That's awesome. That's amazing. I love what you're doing. Thank this, you. I love it. Um, besides your, your childhood, what, what inspires you? Where, where does your inspiration come from? You know, besides obviously helping and mentoring women uh, and young adults and hearing their stories, is there any other place that you get your inspiration from? Yes. So oftentimes people will uh, take, you know, they'll, they'll take forever to figure out. And, and, you know, this is not, this is not a judgment. But sometimes they'll they'll take forever to to really uh, step out there and and do what they're led and called to do, and I want to help people to recognize that and have the courage and confidence to say, "I'm great," and this is the purpose that I've created for myself that I've co-created with God, mm. the difference that I want to make, 
Um, sometimes I think we forget where we come from. We forget that we are creators as well. And I, I want to remind people that you are a creator. Um, you know, the creator created you, so therefore you are. Um, and I just want to remind people of that and that we can go out here and, and make a difference. And it is not a question of, well, who am I to do it? My thing is, who are you not to? Right. <laughs> you know, the world, the world is waiting. <laughs> there's, there's some person who probably isn't even born yet who is just waiting on you to step into your greatness so that you can transform their lives. Okay. So I always tell people, hey, if you are having a hard time, if you are not confident that you can do it, just remember whose you are and where you come from. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing your story and educating us. And we always have this one question we ask our guest speakers. What makes you uncommon? <laughs> I love that question. That is, that, is actually, that is actually really cool. And, and you know, I thought about that uh, earlier. I was like, well, what makes me uncommon? Uh, you know, because I was thinking to myself, well, when I was in middle school, there was a lot that made me uncommon things, uh, things, things that made me uncommon that I, that I thought just really, you know, were common, right? Uh, but I think what makes me uncommon is the fact that I am a person who dares, dares to be different. Mm -hmm. And it's not a matter of, oh, I'm being different for the sake of being different. It's just that I know that the things that God has blessed me with and those unique gifts <laughs> that I've been given, that I may have been teased about, that I may have been bullied and harassed every day about. I know that those are the things that will lead me into my greatness and the difference that I'm going to make for other people uh, in my community and potentially the world. So I think what makes me uncommon is that, you know, I, I dare to be uncommon and it's cool. I, I actually, uh, <laughs> I actually think it's cool to be <laughs> uncommon. You know, I'm all about uh, embracing my weirdness and uniqueness and encourage others to do so. So uh, again, that's why I gravitated toward you ladies and, and what you're doing. And I just love it and appreciate uh, this opportunity to be a part of the podcast. Hey, if you're weird, I'm weird too. Cause I'm like, I don't see no weirdness in her. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody's kind of weird in their own unique right. Yeah, for I sure. Think, think we all special. We all special. Right. You're <laughs> weird if you're not weird. No. Yeah. Like, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much again, Rashida, and for what you're doing and impacting these young girls. And just thank you so much for coming on. And thank you to our listeners for joining in. Um, I want to speak on our apparel. You guys should check it out um, at www.uncommonwomen.net. Also, do not forget to follow us and subscribe on YouTube. And to be a guest speaker, visit our website again, www.uncommonwomen.net. And next week, um, April 1st, we are having another guest speaker, and she will be speaking on um, awareness on sepsis at 7 p.m. Eastern. Check us out and stay on common. Bye. 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 Thank you so much. <laughs>